Live. Well, you can learn about issues that affect us every day. Stay the world. Real people, real talk. Made to help people in our community in every way. For your Welcome to the 411 Live, real people, real talk. This is the second half of our season seven review. You know, I enjoy when we do reviews because it's a reminder of the outstanding people who have graciously shared their time with us. If you've been following us for a while, you'll probably come away with the same feeling. If you haven't, you're in for a treat. Let's get started. Episode nine is called Linking All Women to Lead a Healthy and Responsible Life. I talked to Crystal Reed, better known as Chris Speaks. Crystal is dedicated to helping women and girls discover and embrace their better selves. I come from a strong line of women, Mm -hmm. Um, faith-filled women, women who are passionate, women who are educators, women who are teachers, preachers, leaders. That is um, the tree that I sit under. That's where I come from. That, that's probably also part of why I have that passion to want to help women and girls to grow and glow. And so um, the course I launched last summer. Okay. Um, and it's it's eight components, eight core areas in the program. Um, and it's it's support me, you know, um, commitment to learning, social competencies, learning about diversity, um, your expectations, time. How do you manage your time? How do you manage your finances? Uh, Positive identity, which I think is very important in this time as we have social media and things have changed. Um, We talk about positive values. And then the last core area is empowerment. So women and girls have the opportunity to engage into all these core areas, or they can look at it and they can say, Crystal, you know what? I want to work on this particular area. I want to grow more in support because I don't, I didn't have all the support growing up. So you're saying that the the curriculum can be tailor made. It can be definitely your needs. Yes. I designed it to be tailored made because we are all different as women and girls. We all have different needs. Have you considered starting a business, but you just can't seem to take the necessary steps? Or are you a business owner who can't seem to keep employees? Maybe it's not them. Maybe it's you. Maybe there is something in your past that's hindering your business success. That was part of the discussion in episode 10 with my guest, businesswoman and author, Latara Venice. The reason why we move forward so much and we wonder why we're like in this kind of grind mode and we're stressed out is because we stack what we're feeling and we don't deal with it. We just stack it up, just stack the emotions continually. And, And it ends up blowing some kind of way. And that's what happened to me as I just was like, oh my gosh, what is wrong with me? Because I didn't know how to deal with the emotions and I just push them down, which is depression. Mm-hmm. I just pushed them down into something that was, um, that I could avoid or I thought I could yeah. and that it would just go away, but it doesn't. It doesn't. It seeps in. And mm-hmm. you, you know, in that intro, I was saying, you know, with your business and it's not being successful and you're losing employees, sometimes you have to look to see, am I the problem? Right. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah. You know, it's just like people who have um, um, employees with bad customer service skills, right? Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily the employees. It's something you're not teaching them and you're not implementing and you're not being consistent with, right? You can give anybody a handbook, but are you making sure that they are implementing what's in the handbook? Are you holding them accountable? Because if you're not, it starts from the top down. You know, so you know, it's just like when I was in, when I first started my business and I didn't even know I was depressed. I started my business depressed mm-hmm. <laughs> over time as I got older and, and the depression, it was a, I was depressed for 10 years Oh wow! and I began to go, why am I losing clients are, you know, I would say things like, well, you know, they just weren't good for my business. Maybe I didn't need them. It was me. Oh. It was my issue. Cause if you're losing client after client. That's like money, dollar after dollar, right. you lose it. And I had to take a look at me. What were you doing that was turning them off, do you think? Oh, I was, oh, I know what I was doing. I was missing deadlines. I was um, late for meetings. And I always had an excuse as to why I was late for the meeting. Mm-hmm. I always had an excuse as to why I missed something. Sometimes if I felt myself overwhelmed, I would like disappear and then kind of come back. And I I was a type of, uh, I did a lot of affiliate marketing type description work for people. I worked for some pretty heavy hitters early on uh-huh. and I would miss pertinent moments where they needed descriptions for an Amazon product or something like that. And then I would just skirt the issue and make up an excuse. In essence, really what I was doing was lying. Let's just be honest. I was lying. <laughs> it wasn't an excuse. It was a lie. Call it <laughs> what I was it doing is. Okay. Yeah, call it what it is. Yeah. You know, um, when I stopped taking those type of clients and I began, I became a coach, what ended up happening is I would go, I really don't feel like taking clients today. And so I would call them and I would call them or send them a message and say, hey, I'm not feeling well today. I'm not taking any clients. Mm. I was doing just, just silly things. You not were sabotaging my, your business. Yes, sabotaging my business. I did it all the time. So That's why I wasn't making no money. So when you look back, what what was causing you to do that? What I realized over time is just like we talk about these these wounds in this book is there were things I was dealing with, like rejection and acceptance and 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 um, really looking at the loss of my father and what it would cause. And I was in a very abusive, nar- narcissistically abusive marriage. I can think right away of, of, I call them the parent wounds, the mother and the father wounds, right? Mm-hmm. The things that you know, a mother is a natural nurturer. Father is a natural protector and a provider. And when you miss those things, then they can cause you to overcompensate in your business, right? Mm. Um, you think about wounds of rejection, they can cause a couple of things. You can either overcompensate because wounds of rejection is all about, you know, I was rejected. I wasn't accepted. For me, uh, I have, it's eight of us. And so I was the baby and there was a lot of abandonment and rejection because I came from a different mother and, and the same father. And so there was a lot of issues there. Contagious virus. That's what my guest in episode 11 called the shootings and violence in Milwaukee. And he should know. Cornelius Hall is a Milwaukee 414 life violence interrupter, helping to stop retaliation after a violent act. In this day and age, revenge is something that is expected within um, 
our culture in the inner city. So uh, we try to we try to stop that. We try to change the minds of uh, the people that are involved, family members. Um, and in a good amount of time, we do actually get good results. But also, again, it is hard to document a shooting or murder that didn't take place. Right. Yeah. That's extremely hard to do. And uh, at the higher levels, a forum for life, the Office of Violence Prevention, the city of Milwaukee, we're trying to figure out better ways to capture that. Okay. So when you go in, okay, it's happened. You are going to the, the different groups. Say it's a gang thing. Yeah. Um, and you're talking to both sides. I mean, you're going there in the height of the emotion and everything, right? Yeah. Uh, one of our sayings at a Forum for Life is we meet people where they are. So I'm literally going to the neighborhood that these people reside in. I'm literally going to their home. Uh, if they decide that, you know, I'm going to feel comfortable with 20 of my people on this block, that's where I'm going. Mm -hmm. um, and, of course, we always have an understanding before we go. We always make sure that we're safe. Uh, we never go anywhere alone. Um, but, yes, we're meeting people essentially where they are, uh, not just physically but mentally too. Right. Exactly where they are, whatever mindset they're in. We're going to meet them right there. Okay. So I am, I'm a mediator, but okay. I do mediation with, uh, you know, dealing with child custody or different things okay. like that. Nothing <laughs> what you're dealing with. So at that point, I'm just like, you've got to de-escalate because folks are, correct. you know, they're, they're tense. Mm -hmm. This has happened. They, you know, what do you do? I mean, how do you do that? It depends on the person. Okay. Um, we do come. We uh, we pay really close attention to the person's um, th their livelihood. I mean, down to their living situation. We're going to pay attention to all that. Of course, we're going to try to gain some leverage because we have so many different resources uh, that are at our fingertips uh, due to OVP, due to the Medical College of Wisconsin. So we are going to come in with something to give. Also, okay. The outlook is is. Okay, we're gonna try to stop this situation, but we are going to try to improve your life along with that. Uh -huh. It's easier to get people to listen to you and try to hear you out if a you know my living situ situation will change, my employment situation will change. So not only are you not gonna go to jail or be killed, you may be employed. You may have a roof over your head. Okay. You know, you, okay. You got to come in and offer something. I mean, you come in empty-handed. I mean. What can you tell a person that uh, is in a blood feud with someone else if um, they're homeless and this is all their life is right now? Mm -hmm. You know, there's no incentive to stop. Right. And you meet a lot of people in that situation. Right? Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. A lot. A lot more than you would think. Okay. I'm also thinking that um, in this this area that you're working in, um, you're building relationships too. Correct. Um, that's the biggest part. As a violence interrupter, my networks mean more than anything. Um, that's the way I find out things. For instance, uh, just to give an example, um, a shooting fight or something takes mm -hmm. place. We assist people. We bring that situation to a ceasefire. That person knows me now. Both people know me. Due to how violence truly is, uh, it's truly like a, uh, a virus, People around them are infected with it, too. So the next shooting, the next fight is going to be their family member. It's going to be their friend. And due to me making that connection with them during our first mediation, 
now I'm connected with them. Now they're adding me on Instagram. Now wow. I'm, I'm seeing their stories. I'm seeing uh, what they're up to, what they're going to be up to. Um, and it builds a bigger and bigger network. Milwaukee is a, it's a bigger city, but it's very small. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I don't want to get percentages out here, but uh, I believe uh, it's, it's a very small percentage of people doing all the shootings. Right. That is what I've, yeah. They all know each other. Yeah. One way or another, maybe one person, uh, maybe one person of separation away, but they all know each other. So you connect, you connect, you mediate with one person. Through that one person, you met five. So there's two people in the mediation. That's 10 people. The network gets bigger. Bigger and bigger. Yeah. Every single time. To explain how, how horrible it feels for me when that takes place. Um, there's not really words for it. You know, I'm extremely passionate about what I do. Um, we actually had a situation where our car was stolen. Uh, a guy went to retrieve his aunt's car that was stolen. That was stolen. Uh, shots were fired. Uh, after that day, the team vigorously pursued him and his family to get a mediation out there. We had an idea of who was doing it. We had an idea of the caliber of danger in the situation. And due to due to the level of danger, we really pursued it. Uh, the man and his mother wanted nothing to do with it, nothing to do with it at all. Unfortunately, four weeks later, he was murdered at a gas station. Um, and the, the amount of loss I think the entire team felt at that time was ridiculous. Um, of course, I'm not going to say, you know, names, uh, but um, it became a more high profile situation due to the nature of the crime. But every time I invited Cornelius back for episode 12, Kia boys and girls and the impact of stolen cars in Milwaukee. These are young people who steal cars, drive recklessly and often crash, seriously injuring or even killing themselves and others. Cornelius was joined by Crystal Holmes, a mother whose daughter was injured in a stolen car. Let's talk about this whole Kia boys, Kia girls thing. And I'm going to start with you first, uh, Cornelius. What is the attraction? It's part of our culture. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's it's really become part of, uh, I'm going to call it Midwestern culture uh, with our youth. It's all in our rap music. Um, Mm. I mean, Milwaukee, we even have a sound of music that is very fast paced and it's meant uh, to be listened to while driving fast. Um, It really it's really it it really just comes down to the fact that it's kind of ingrained in our culture now. Mm -hmm. It kind of came out of nowhere, Mm -hmm. but it's here to stay for sure. Yeah. Um, To really throw out there. It for the parents, it doesn't matter. What you do as a parent, you can raise them the best you can. It could be Uh a two-parent household. If this is the path they want to take, they're going to take it. The kids are influencing each other. Uh, Our rap music, uh, our Instagram messages, everything is influencing them in the Midwest, of course, to do this. Um, But also, some of our kids are homeless. Uh And that's why they're doing it. 
And uh, it's, it's like so, a forming a community kind yes, of thing. It's just on community in itself. So from what I've noticed uh, with the Kia boys and Kia girls, it's uh, it's kind of a conduit into the underworld of Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So once they join that, you make decisions. Are you going to go to the next step of criminality or is this not for you? Crystal, first of all, let me say that um, I'm really sorry. Thank you. That this happened to your daughter. How is she doing? She's progressing. She's doing good. Yeah? Yes. Um, Her injuries were... Severe. To say the least, right? Yes, severe. Not going to go into details, but severe. Okay. But she's strong. She's pushing through. She's always been a strong kid since knee high. Yeah. She was always a fighter. She was always that child that just... Just go. Yeah. Go for it. Go for it for whatever. So she is, she's pushing from her signs and how long it's been is incredible. Because this accident happened, what, mid-July? Yeah, like July 22nd, 23rd. Okay. okay. Um, I said that you got this information from a text. Is that right? Actual or- inbox. An inbox. Yeah. I was at home. It was late. I was doing, you know, doing my nightly routine. So yeah. getting in the shower, getting out, you know, so I can go lay down and relax. You know, that whole day was not like I felt funny that whole day, to be honest. And it's just like, I couldn't believe it. I just, here I am getting out the shower and my phone's just constantly going off. I mean, like, literally, back-to-back, my messages are just ringing, back-to-back. Then I'm getting phone calls. Then I'm getting regular text messages. And it's just like, okay, which one should I open first? Should I just respond to the calls, respond to the text messages, the inboxes? Which one? So it's like, okay, go to the messages. Because no no one really hits me up on Facebook Messenger like that, Mm -hmm. besides people I talk to, really. So I go on there and it's like I'm seeing like six, seven different messages from different kids that know my daughter. I see pictures, screenshots of her sitting in the car. Then they send me the video. I didn't even fully watch the video. It's like I press play. I see her. And then I'm like, okay. Then my phone rings. I answer the phone. They like, what an accident looked like is over there near your house. Only thing I can do is just slip on some shoes, wake my sister up, and I go to the uh, the accident. Right. She's not there. I'm trying to get questions out of the police officers. We called episode 13, Breaking Cycles and Finding Your Purpose. Among other things, my guest, LaTanya Baker of GOE Transsetters, has played a pivotal role in prenatal care, assisting clients in crisis. Most of my clients, um, the issues that they were having, so when you sign a client up, you um, complete an assessment on them to find out what their issues or what their barriers are. And in most cases, it was, um, you know, living in a home with someone who had molested them and they had mm. never talked about it, um, never um, had gotten any type of therapy or counsel counseling, um, lack of transportation, lack of housing. We assume that because someone has insurance that they are knowledgeable about finding a good doctor. 
and finding a good doctor is essential to finding a good hairdresser. When we find someone that can do our that can do our hair, we develop a relationship with them, and we can, we tend to keep going to them because of that relationship. And sometimes when we instruct um, our clients on finding a doctor. Um, it's not so much as to the location is convenient. It's no, what type of relationship do you have with this doctor? Is this doctor being informative when they're giving you information? And then we're advocating for them when they're going to these doctor's appointments. A lot of times they don't go to the doctor when they find out they're pregnant. Sometimes they find out they're pregnant because of um, an emergency situation. So, you know, it's a personal conversation that we're having with them and we're finding out that um, they may not even want anyone to know that they're pregnant because they're pregnant by a family member. So we're running into a lot of these issues. So what I did was I started with their mindset. Yeah. Let's start there um, because it's not so much as you need a job, you need a house, you need transportation. Where's your mindset and what can we do to modify that first? And then we can start um, looking at some of these other goals that need to be accomplished. When we talked, uh, what, yesterday, day before yesterday, mm-hmm. we were talking about your mom yes. and what happened with your mom mm-hmm. and how that evolved into other things. Tell me about your mom, first of all. Oh, wow. My mom was amazing. Um, I'm grateful that when, when, we, when, she, when she passed, it was unexpected. Let me just start there. Mm-hmm. And I used to hear my mom say, um, you know, when I go, I want to go like my mother did. I never paid much attention. I didn't know what she meant by that. And when she passed unexpected, it was in her sleep. And to get that call at almost 4 o'clock in the morning from my sister screaming in my ear, it was just like, no, I know you're not telling me this. Because we we have a plan, but then God has a different plan. So yeah. my plan was when I get rich and make all this money, I'm going to buy my mom a house mm-hmm. and you know I'm going to take care of her and this, this, that. And God was like, yeah, nah, that's not how it's going to happen. So when she passed, I was so upset. I was angry. Yeah. I was just like, you know, you took the best thing that ever happened to me and it was almost like I wanted to square up with God. Like, I'm like, show your face. You took the best thing that ever happened to me. So I was angry for a very long time, and I was hurt. And it got to the point that I didn't even want to wake up. I'm like, you took her while she was in her sleep. Take mm-hmm. me. And then it got to the point. Episode 14, Increasing the Ability to be Resilient During Challenging Times. Dr. Brandon Curry, CEO of Strive 365, was my guest. In this episode, we tackle gun violence in the city once again, noting that there is not one solution. There are solutions, plural. The trick is to get all of those solutions working cohesively. You you just don't know what you're dealing with now with the kids because what did they go through during the pandemic? And now with that year off and that, you know, going virtual and a lot of kids just didn't do well with virtual and just trying to catch up and that frustration and kids acting out, you know, have, you know, trying to put the genie back in the bottle, so to speak, is tough. Definitely. I mean, it's, and it takes time. Yeah. Unfortunately, we're not a, uh, our society isn't built on patience. Yeah, that's true. You know, delayed gratification almost doesn't exist. We want results today. Um, But when you're looking at mental health and you're looking at trauma and you're looking at, uh, internal struggles, toxic stress that that individuals are going through, that's a process. And it's different for every person. So there is no specific timeline. There's no date of when it'll be gone. And to be honest, it never really is gone. It's just you learn to develop 
that sense of resiliency to overcome what you've been through, mm-hmm. to channel the energy in a different way, to make better decisions, to model behaviors that are going to become or create positive consequences rather than negative ones. Right. Um, where you say, you know what, I'm, I'm empowering myself to take ownership of creating the change in my own life instead of, you know, like we said earlier, you know, not having hope sitting back, being frustrated and angry, and then taking it out, making a poor decision. Because at the end of the day, the only individual you can truly depend on to create the change in your life is yourself. So we have to do is find ways to uplift people in pain, everyone really. We should be uplifting each other to say, hey, I need to build from within. And if I do that and I put myself on a platform, I can then model this for other people and it scales and we're reaching a larger audience. Yeah, that's that's great. It, it, you know, the other thing, too, in our society, everything's so negative. I mean, if you turn on, you know, a lot of the news and, you know, the 24-hour cycled news and listen to this stuff, and it's just depressing and people trying to want up somebody else mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff. Sometimes it's you have to be mindful of what you're allowing to come in to you into your ears, your eyes, because that's impacting you too. Definitely. When you see the negativity or hear about it constantly over and over and imagine kids, kids see the same thing. I know. And it's coming from people who are supposed to be leaders, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, okay, you're a leader and you're acting like this. Right. And not everything is, is black and white. It's not A or B. You know, even uh, we want to always tie everything back to politics. You're on this side or this side. And it's like, hold up. There's it's more it's more there's more to it than just two options. Right. With what's happening. Right. Um, And not every situation is the same. So, like you said, if you're constantly seeing all this negative energy and all this pain and it's like you can have different political views you can have difference of opinions of how something should be done everybody has a right to that but when it comes down to treating to doing and finally episode 15 with my friend joanne williams highlighting the success of her documentary the exchange in white america kakana and king 50 years later for people who don't know the story, can you give us that brief brief synopsis of, of what this film is about? It's about a high school student exchange between Rufus King High School in Milwaukee and Kokona High School in the Fox River Valley. And a social studies teacher at Kokona High School wanted his kids to have a broader view of the world. So to do that, he was going to have them perform a play. The play he chose was In White America, the history of African Americans from slavery to civil rights. But in Kakana, Wisconsin, as I say, they were demographically challenged. There were no black people. So he and another teacher from Kakana, Bernie Huppertz, uh, developed this exchange with Ruth Thomas, a teacher at Rufus King High School who was a black woman. In Milwaukee. In Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. And kids from Rufus King went up to Kakana and lived with families for a month and did the play. And then kids from Kakana came down to Milwaukee and lived with families for a month and did the play. And this all happened in 1966. It was 55 years ago. Wow. So I wanted to find these kids and see what the experience had been. And then in 2016, um, 
the drama teacher at Rufus King decided to restage the play 50 years later. First of all, I am extremely proud of you. Thank you. For doing this and completing this work. Um, I went to the premiere, the Milwaukee Film Festival uh, at the Oriental and watched it. And I was just amazed. I was, uh, I was sitting there thinking, this is really good. And then afterwards, you and all the people who were involved in the making of the film got to get on stage and kind of talk to us a little bit. And it got emotional at times. Oh, yeah. What was that feeling like? Um, well, it was like f showing somebody my third baby. Yeah. I have two sons, and this is my third baby. Mm -hmm. And it's my editor said, and it's a girl. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was very emotional because, because of the subject and because of the work it took and because of how much time it took and because it was very personal for me. Mm -hmm. um, it was personal for me to let people see it, finally. Yeah. That first screening at the Milwaukee Film Festival, um, you were sitting in the audience. Right. I was in the back, pacing. <laughs> I couldn't sit down. I still can't. Well, that's a look back at season seven of the 411 Live. You've heard a tiny portion of some very thought-provoking episodes. I hope you'll check out the full versions. We are in the midst of season eight now, so tune in each week for that. And thanks for listening. I'm Beverly Taylor, and this is the 411 Live. Real people, real talk. If you would like to check out past episodes, there are many ways. Go to your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Like and watch us on Facebook. Watch and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you have suggestions for future episodes, go to our website, the411live.org. 